Gauntlet 2. How does it fare against the arcade version? Bring it home on the Amiga. Let's find out on Amigos Everything Amiga. Hey everybody, welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we are talking about Gauntlet 2. Now, Ooh. Aaron, I want you to rate these names for me, okay? Oh, yeah, you, I guess. <laughs> you got Thor, the yeah. warrior. You that's think a that's good a one. good name for a warrior, yeah. Thor? Yeah, that's okay. the ultimate name. How about Thyra, the Valkyrie? Is that with an Thyra? F or a T-H? T-H-T-H-Y-R-A. That's... That one's not as good. It's sort of sexy, but not yeah. as good. Thyra. Thyra. You think it's appropriate for a female warrior, though? Well, at least that's not the dwarf. Then you're getting <laughs> into a whole weird area. <laughs> okay. What about Merlin the wizard? Do you think that's a cop-out? Well, that's kind of generic, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Merlin. That's. I mean, Thor is sort of a cop-out, too, if I'm honest. But... Was Thor in use? I mean, was a, a popular barbarian name? Well, I mean, it's the God of Thunder. So, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty good name. But I mean, I it's guess now that generic. you mentioned that, I knew I'd heard the word Thor before. I just yeah, didn't make just, the connection. You ever seen an Avengers movie or, you know, know anything about Norse mythology? Thor? Mm -hmm. He's the guy with know, the hammer. The Mizor, whatever the hammer, yeah. Yeah, he's like the comic relief of the Avengers. Well, yeah, sort of. What's it's the funny. other guy's name? Questor. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that one is. Uh, no, that's okay. That's D League. Quest you think, Store. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie to you. These are some low end. Like it's like an eight year old that, that like Billy's first D D character. Mm -hmm. it's like I'm gonna name my guy Sword Man. It's like okay. <laughs> you know, well, you know, in the original D and D, I believe that the fighter was actually called Fighting Man. So. <laughs> uh... <laughs> And then magic tossing guy. Yeah. Do you, have, do you have an, I mean, when you played D and D back in the day, did you tend to gravitate towards a, you know, a, a warrior type class? I, well, yeah, I did because I would, cause you could get killed easy if you don't. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. Oh, You're Merlin's a throwing fireballs. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's throwing fireballs and stuff, but when a, a knoll or a kabold sneaks up behind you with a stick, they could end you right there. You yeah. know, so. You know, did it, you put a like lot of Doug Henning? Yeah. Did you put a lot of Did you mention Doug Henning? You know, because remember, remember Doug Henning, the magician. I can't believe you pulled the Doug Henning reference. Well, I'm just saying I, that's what I think about. Because like here, yeah. like here's Doug Henning on stage. <laughs> Do you think right? our He's European listeners around? are going to know who Doug Henning is? Sure, they will. So picture this. Bear with me for a minute, boat. You got Doug Henning up there, magic user, right? You don't mm -hmm. think Gallagher can roll up with that hammer and just crush Doug Henning in the back, and that's the end of Doug Henning. So, that's rainbow's a over. Down. That's a throwdown I'd like to see. Goofy-looking, long-haired, 70s media personalities yeah. <laughs> going I mean, at I just, it. Yeah, I think Gallagher and Doug Hank, they should be in the game. They you know? are sort of like brothers. Now, well, do no, you they're have, not. Do you have a... Um, did you put a lot of thought into the naming of your characters, or did you just call them, like, Barbarian Man? Well, I mean, I tried to do... As you get older, you try to do something a little cooler, you know? Like, I think my first ever character's name was, like, Lance. You're not that mm -hmm. good. 
Yeah. You know? And I, I went to the Lance well a couple times because I had Champions guy called the Fabulous Lance. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. But uh, what do you want? I was devoid. I'm not that creative, Boat. I'm not going to lie. It's tough to come up with a cool name on the spot, too, when you're rolling up a character in front of everybody else. Like, what, Especially remember, with the there. With your favorite, what's your all-time favorite role-playing character? Because people love to hear stories about role playing. What's your well, favorite? It's gotta, I mean, guy? it's got to be the captain. All right. And what's the captain's full name? And that's it. The that's exactly. face captain. Right. There you go. I mean, he's your favorite guy, right? But then, <laughs> you what, don't need to like, have a good name to have a good character, I guess. Is what yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what I mean. Yeah. All right, Aaron. Let's talk about Gauntlet 2. Just sort of peters out there, boat. <laughs> you know, it's funny because if you watch the two of Gauntlet Two, they couldn't make it go like the two loses its color and kind of floats yeah. behind the dragon. I think there was a technical limitations of the Amiga involved. You, you know, there. something else I noticed the, the the opening of this game has this scene where like you see the arcade machine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that's which, the first thing you see. Right. So uh, on the ST version of this. Like it zooms in and the whole thing rotates and crap. The Amiga version, they just get, just bam. Screen. You're just like, yeah, this is the thing you're supposed to be thinking about <laughs> as you play this game. Go ahead, so, Boat Gauntlet Two. Listen, Gauntlet Two. What can you say? This is a this is a. I would call this a fantasy themed, top down, dungeon crawler, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Uh, this is a game released by Atari. In 1986, this is the, the we're talking about the arcade version first here. So, yeah, Gauntlet 2, it was designed and programmed by the master, Ed Log. That's two G's. The second G stands for genius. Yeah, of, um, of asteroids fame, I believe. That's Bat right. Battle asteroids, Zone. Centipede, Battlezone. He even did the coin-op version of Tetris. The very first coin-op version uh, of Tetris ever released was designed by Ed Logg. Um, he went all the way into the 3D era. His last credited game was a 3D platformer for the PS2 and the Xbox called Dr. Muto. Did you ever play oh, yeah. a little Dr. Muto I've back heard, in the day? I, yeah, I remember that, yeah. No, yeah. I don't remember playing it, but yeah, I, I've heard of it. Uh, this game was programmed by Bob Flanagan, um, and he didn't really do nearly as much. <laughs> uh, this was kind of a letdown. He programmed Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom on the NES. Uh -oh. uh, he was he was active as recently as 2018. I guess he's part of the engineering team for The Sims. Does that light you on fire? Well, I mean, hey, if you're talking about guys who made a crap load of money in their career, there's your guy right there. That's true. That's those true. Sims, they print money with those things. Uh, the graphics were done by a guy named Sam Comstock. Uh, he also worked on the uh, animations for Marble Madness and Roadrunner, so he was a, sort of an Atari shill. Uh, sound design was done by <laughs> Hal. Wait a minute, wait a minute. He was a what? An Atari shill. <laughs> did you have to put it like that? He's a shill? <laughs> Listen. <laughs> That's he horrible. Always did, he did his best work for Atari. He had nothing to give for anybody else. That doesn't else. mean you're a shill, though. I think that's exactly <laughs> what it means. Okay, fair enough. The sound design was by a guy named Hal Cannon. Uh, Hal Cannon also produced the original music for Tubin, which we're going to cover next week. Talk we about Tubin. serendipity, Aaron. Yeah. Good yeah. tunes. Good tunes. So, Gauntlet 2, let's talk about the cabinet. 
okay? Yeah. The cabinet shipped in this ungodly large uh, four-player cabinet, similar to the Gauntlet 1 cabinet. It also yeah. shipped in a slightly smaller two-player variant. Uh, and in addition, it was released as a conversion kit. Uh, this cabinet was designed by uh, Ken Hada. Ken Hada was a big player on a, uh, on for Atari. Uh, he designed the cabinet for hard driving, race driving, and Hydra. All three of these games, Aaron, you have some experience with. I believe you own a hard driving, right? I owned a Gauntlet too, too. A, yeah. a cabinet, at least. And, You're it, in the it, Ken Hada Hall of Fame. Ken Hada doesn't believe in light easy to move cabinets i can tell you that because on a hard driver cabinet it'd be easier to move a full car than move that thing around and uh you guys i think you guys did hydra on arg presents one time right <laughs> yes we did <laughs> man it was something <laughs> not good uh and he's also credited as a quote-unquote bondo man uh, in the development of Stun Runner, so uh, I guess he was instrumental in uh, maybe molding some things for the Stun Runner arcade cab. Now so. that's a that's a game we both love, and we both got to play that recently. And it was awesome. That's right, over at the Galloping Ghost. That's right. You know, right. seeing you climb into that cabinet that was the, the, that was futuristic, right there. Listen, brother. man, nobody knows how to get a leg over like me. Yeah. So. Uh, this thing ran on the old Motorola 68000, same yeah. as the Amiga. This ran, uh, it also had a 6502 in it, so it was kind of playing from both sides. Yeah. Uh, it had a sound chip, the, the Yamaha sound chip that every arcade game had. But Aaron, this you could have featured this on your ARG episode you had a couple weeks ago when you talked about Pokey games. This also featured a Pokey sound chip. Oh, good so, one, but. This game, they basically, they took all of the popular chips of the time and they threw them in the cabinet and they let them have at it. I think they battled within the cabinet itself. That's the way I like to think about it. You know, before you move on, I want to talk about the cabinet for a minute. You're yeah, right. This uh, it, it was a four-player game, in the sort of in the style of the original Gauntlet. But this isn't like, I mean, I also owned a WrestleFest. Uh, I know people that have owned like X-Men and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Those were bigger, extended uh extended control panel cabinets. They extended the controls out the side substantially. Mm -hmm. Whereas Gauntlet, it was just built wide and it just the control panel just extends a little bit wider, but it's not nearly as large as those normal four player games. But on the flip side, if you get four buddies in there, you better I hope everybody had a good bath. You know, because I mean you're right up on each other you're when tight you play close. these things. So you you'd say right. this is this is definitely thinner than like one of those six player X Men cabs, right? With the two this, screens. This is a little bit more like, say, the main event. Remember mm. that when I used to own that? It's kind of yeah. like that. They kind of it's kind of kind of the uh, the uh, uh, the control panel is not. It doesn't hang controls out. Uh, it just hang. It goes over the lip, goes over the outside of the control panel a little bit, but not like a like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or whatever. Unfortunately, <laughs> Gauntlet Two does not feature the tag button. No, um, it should feature the I'm broke button. That's what it should feature. <laughs> so let's talk about the lore of Gauntlet 2 a little bit. So Gauntlet 2, as with its prequel, uh, you uh, take the role of Thor, Thyra, Merlin, or Questor, and you can play cooperatively with your buddies as you explore and fight your way through uh, mazes, collecting potions, food, and treasure as you search for the exit that will lead you to where? Well, the next floor of the dungeon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this thing features the same controls as Gauntlet 1. It's got two buttons. You got your joystick for your attack, your joystick for your magic, or I'm sorry, your button for your attack, your button for your magic, and an eight-way joystick. Um, so, Aaron, 
what were your now let's talk about the arcade version first the right. first of all coming i'm sure you played gauntlet one back in the day a Did little you, bit do, yeah do you remember when gauntlet two sort of supplanted it i do uh and it, i remember thinking huh this is a lot like gauntlet one uh, if i'm honest uh the uh I didn't. I, it's commonly known I did not like Gauntlet One or Gauntlet Two, which is funny because I own the cabinet because they were endless pits of cash. When I think of like money holes, the Gauntlet Brothers are the first thing I think of. Because so you you think Gauntlet Two was more of a, a money grabber than say something like Revenge of Death Adder? Uh, oh God, yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you sit down and timed them out. But, I mean, I look at the fun factor. And I never, to be honest with you, I never found this fun in the arcade. Just mm. because, I, I don't know. Just, and I'm a big D&D guy. I tried to get into it and whatnot, mm. but it didn't do it for me. But, but all so, that said, you could tell there was an improvement uh, with Gauntlet 2. And they also added some stuff that you didn't see in the first one. What is, uh, it, but, what is it about Gauntlet 2 that just lacks in the fun factor for you? I just think the design of the game, the overhead. Listen, I played a ton of D&D. It's a lot like we've talked about with other games. I played a lot of D&D. And in D and D, there's not there's you don't get attacked by six hundred things every second. You know, it's just nonstop mm -hmm. crap coming at you. I kind of wish they'd have held off. Even a game like Venture, where they just had a couple of things coming at you, and you went to the rooms, you didn't know what was going to happen. Like I, you don't get that feeling in this. This is more like almost more like a um, Robotron or something. You just got you just got stuff all over you. You mentioned accidentally that this had two joysticks. That would not be the worst idea, frankly. That's true. If this, That's had, a, true. If this had like two eight-way joysticks that one you could throw stuff with, this might have been a more fun game for me. That's uh, not a still, bad we, idea, actually. We did yeah. play this uh, in the arcades. It was, I think it was pretty popular, but I mean, I don't remember people like beating down the door to get to it, but I mean, I, I did see a few of them in the arcades. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, this was something that I remember seeing Gauntlet 2. This game had legs. Like when I was playing in the 90s, I would see this. I believe this was at the skate arena for a while. You would still see this game long after its sort of expiration date. It, yeah. uh, it, it lasted long because it's a game that you immediately know what you're supposed to do. You know, right. don't shoot the food, shoot everything else. Yeah. Um, and all, you got to consider also. And you mentioned this stayed past its welcome. You're not wrong, Boat. And there's two reasons, I think. One, it's an earner, all right? And two, uh, there weren't a ton of four-player games walking around back when right. this came out, you know? Right. So, so that you could always... And, and as Curtis mentioned in chat, you get a couple buddies together, and this gets uh, more fun. Yeah, yeah. Now, here, uh, the original Gauntlet, of course, was released uh, just about a year before Gauntlet 2. So there, not a lot of time separated these two releases. Right. Uh, the Gauntlet 2 conversion kits came out in uh, August of 1986. Uh, a lot of the original Gauntlet machines of the time were switched over to Gauntlet 2 cabinets. So Gauntlet 1, suddenly, if you were a fan of Gauntlet 1, those machines suddenly became a whole lot harder to find. Um, they tended to stay as Gauntlet 2 for some time, and uh, and the proper kits were uncommon until the late 80s, when by that time, four-player games were taking off hugely. Um, now, here's something you might not know about Gauntlet 2, Aaron. There was a promo competition. Maybe you do know. Do you remember a competition when you went to your arcade? Did your friendly arcade attendant tell you about a promotion going on? No, I don't remember a single promotion any arcade I ever went to. I'll be honest with you. Not one. The only thing I ever saw was at the movie theater where you got free tickets if you got a high score. That's about the only one I remember seeing. 
Mm-hmm. Did you ever get a high score? Did you ever get free tickets? Oh, my God. Chad. Because remember, Chad knows the Alcon trick. So we would get movie tickets every time he played it. Yeah, it was oh great. My gosh, that's I saw awesome. a lot of free movies that summer. So Atari, they held this this promo, okay? Uh, if players follow the instructions the game gives before entering a secret room, and that this room is like, as you progress through the levels, the, the arcade, it gives you clues on how to enter the secret room whenever a hidden wall is shot away on any level. Uh, the player gets a screen explaining they'd been awarded extra points and inviting the player that you can enter your name, okay? So then... Okay. Once you get and you enter your name, the machine will give you a six-digit code. All right. The oh, six-digit code, you write down that code, you put it onto a competition entry form. The first 500 entries won a Gauntlet 2 t-shirt and a chance of winning a $5,000 savings bond. Do you remember the Whoa. old savings bond, Aaron? Oh, yeah. Savings bond, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, if money. you... If you were an arcade owner that didn't care to, you know, put your players in this state where they might want to win something, you can you can turn that off, uh, and then you just get a point a screen that says, "Hey, you got to the secret room. Here's five thousand bonus points," which is crap, you know. Ah, uh, ah, the, ah. The, but it does make sense because once the contest ends, because the contest has to have an end date. Yeah. The contest ended at the end of it, nineteen eighty six. It was mostly just like Gauntlet Two is new. We want you to play it. So then most of the operators turn their dip switches off at that point. But still. Atari was big on this little wacky contest for their yeah. arcade and home stuff. I guess they paid off, you know. I mean, uh, but it's kind of neat. I yeah. wish I'd known about that stuff, but I don't remember anything about it. Now, when you think about Gauntlet 1, Aaron, when you think about the positive things from the game, what's something that, that sticks with you that was a positive from Gauntlet 1? Well, again, Gauntlet 1 broke that new, that well, relatively new ground of holding the multiplayer game. The The setting is good enough with the, with the you know, the D&D style setting. Uh, you know, they you're right. It's easy to pick it up and play. Uh, you sort of know what you're getting into when you play it. I like the fact that they give you sort of a, a, a variety of characters. That was nice. Uh, they put hidden stuff or clue like secret areas, ways to skip levels and stuff that were in the first one. So all that stuff... Uh, was appealing, you know. I yeah, like the me, fact that you could you could bypass me, one exit to go to a better one, you know, that, stuff like that. that. Actually, that's that's a huge thing. But to me, the big thing about this game is that because you're essentially doing the same thing over and over and over again, you're you're killing wave after wave of various enemies. Yeah. One of the things that I really appreciated about Gauntlet One was the amount of sound samples in the game. Oh, you yeah. have ton, you have tons of voice. You have tons of samples. For example, each monster makes a slightly different sound. Uh, whenever you eat food, it sounds like you're eating food. The Gauntlet 2, they actually dialed it back a little bit. Uh, the, the game includes 205 sounds, which is less than the first Gauntlet, which I thought was interesting. Mm. Um, and check this out. Uh, there, is a, there was actually a limited edition soundtrack album for this game. Uh, it's called <laughs> That's Atari Music Volume 2. Uh, this was released in 1991. So, that uh, that's title something... is of its era. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's true. I've never I've never come across that ever. So no. pretty cool. Uh, and uh, uh, Gauntlet 2 doesn't really feature. It features that the title sequence music. And then there's a little interstitial music, organ music, mall organ music, you might say, uh, that plays in between each level. But this, there, this yeah. game does not feature like a rolling soundtrack behind you. Yeah, I, so, and, and it would have helped, frankly. Yeah. yeah. 
So changes from the original Gauntlet. Um, you in this game, probably the biggest change and the most welcome change is that players can play whatever character you wanted. In the original yeah. Gauntlet, you had to assume the position and mount the cab at whatever position you wanted to play <laughs> at. So if you were going to play as Questor, you had to get real used to that corner, baby. Yeah, and it was yeah, a that, hard that corner pounded into your gut. That was no yeah. good. And so if uh, someone else wanted that guy, they would that would be a problem. Yeah, exactly. You're allowed to have multiple multiple types, so you can have two warriors if you want. Players are now color coded, so you could have like blue elf and green elf or whatever. So that's good. Um, other changes, including power, included power ups. So you've got like a, a power up that allows you to bounce your shot off walls, yeah. which is cool. Reflective shots. Uh, there's new potions, uh, new monsters. Uh, probably the most thing. I remember that right. too. It's another one. Mm -hmm. uh, probably the most, uh, the, the, the biggest new monster was the, the dragon, uh, the dragon, uh, that guards the exit to some of the, some of the levels of the dungeon. Uh, this thing, unlike most enemies takes multiple hits to kill and, uh, defeating it, uh, you get a permanent potion and a bag of treasure. So huge treasure, huge bonuses. If you can manage to defeat the dragon, but the dragon is not, is, is not easy. I, did you, have you ever faced a dragon in Gauntlet 2, Aaron? I faced him. I never beat him. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard stuff. Um, probably the the thing that that I always think about with with Gauntlet Two is the addition of this monster called the It Monster. So uh, if you yeah. are if you get run over by the It Monster or you run over it, uh, it tags you, and all the enemies will follow you around. So if you're playing with like three or four other guys and you get tagged by the end monster, they're just gallivanting around, collecting treasure, doing whatever they want, and you're being faced down by 4,000 ghouls. It's no good. Well, I mean, as I recall, because I had to play this by myself this week, and the, it, the if monster's still in there, but if you touch one of the other characters, then they're it, right? They, that's the, right, the that's right. That's the only way. So it really adds an extra level to competitive play in this game. Uh, you know, in the first gauntlet, you're all sort of kind of just running around like mad. In this game, it introduces, like, the id monster gives it a little bit more. There's a little bit more to the multiplayer, th thanks to that. Yeah. Um, there's uh, invisible walls in dungeons of this game. Oh, yeah. uh, magical walls, which change into monsters when they're hit. Uh, stun tiles. Uh, there's all kinds. There's even exits that flash between functioning and non-functioning. This game does everything it can to get you to put more quarters into the game. Yeah, you it's know, got people, tiles you can push as well, like blocks you can push around. People that, complain. People complain all the time about, uh, you know, new games, uh, microtransactions and stuff like this. To me, Gauntlet exemplifies this trend well and active in, in, in the 80s. I don't think there's a game, like if you released this game on mobile and you made people pay each time they died or to get more food, it would be soundly, uh, you know, uh, poo-pooed. It would not uh, what do you well. Yeah, why do you <laughs> think people still look upon Gauntlet with such, you know, rose-tinted glasses? I mean, do they? I don't, you know, I, I don't, I never, like I said, I never got into it. And one of the things that was a big change, and I'm, I'm not saying this is the first game to do it, but it's one of the earliest ones, was the fact that you could, you had to pay to keep going. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of a foreign concept in the arcade back in the day. Like, no, when you're, when you died, the game was over, you know? So the fact that you could put in more money, it seems like a great deal until you put in a lot of money. You know, and so that was something else that I never got grips on. I mean, I don't think this game, I guess you're right. There are a lot of people that, I mean, it was released for everything, so clearly it had its fans. 
But uh, it's not one that I'll look back on that fondly. And I can't imagine, like, coming to Boat Fest or whatever and getting people and sitting around and playing this for any length of time because there are better choices, I guess, is the way I look at it, Boat. But, I mean, I know some people like Curtis in here. He loved this game. I guess if it was a favorite of yours when you were a kid, you look at it that way, but it was not one of mine. Well, people must have liked it because it had 8 billion sequels. Yeah. Uh, there, were, there were nine sequels, as far as Moby Games is concerned, <laughs> to uh, to Gauntlet. You have Gauntlet, Gauntlet 2, Gauntlet 2, The Deeper Dungeons, which was a level pack for 8-bit computers. Yeah. Uh, then you had, uh, th there were a couple ports for the NES. There was actually, Gauntlet got its own bespoke release for the Lynx, if you can believe it, Aaron. Yeah. The Gauntlet, The Third Encounter was a game that was only released for the Lynx. Uh, of course, being an Atari system, that makes sense. Sure. Uh, there, there was Gauntlet 3, the final quest for uh, the Atari ST. Gauntlet 4, I, I think Gauntlet 3 was actually available for the Amiga as well. Gauntlet 4 was released for the Mega Drive. I played a little bit of that this week. It's pretty good. And then there was a big break and kind of a, a generational shift. And then you had Gauntlet Legends in the arcade. You remember that one, Aaron? I, the, when they came back with the more like 3D ones, yeah, I, dark, and, and legacy dark legacy stuff like that. I like those actually. Those mm -hmm. were I thought those were much more fun. Uh, I believe I, you I, and the Chud run through those. At we some ran. Point, we didn't beat you? a couple of them uh, one weekend on the Dreamcast, and I, I enjoyed them. I mean, again, they're not. It ain't the best thing I ever played, but it's sort of like it's fun in the same way that say Rampage is fun. You know, Rampage is another game that's you can you can sort of play forever. I like Rampage more. Cause it's so wacky, but yeah, I, 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 the newer ones I enjoyed more, a lot more. Yeah, yeah, and they made now, some money too. Uh, there are actually some statistics for the sales of Gauntlet Two. Only two hundred nine dedicated units were produced for this game, so the vast majority of Gauntlet Two machines you saw kicking around were converted Gauntlet Ones. Hmm. Uh, the selling price was two thousand two hundred ninety five dollars, which I believe was pretty much in line with cabinets at the time. Uh, most cabinets were around two thousand dollars in the wow. mid '80s. They were they were expensive. I had no idea. I had no idea yeah. that pricey. Uh, the the four player kit conversion kit was five hundred ninety five dollars, uh, and only sixty one two player kits were produced. Uh, which means that if you have a two player Gauntlet two kit, you probably have some money on your hands. Yeah. Um, best selling arcade cabs in nineteen eighty six uh, included uh, Gradius and Hang On. Uh, so this was where Sega was really making a big mark. You know, the Japanese companies yeah. were really moving in here. Uh, Best-selling conversion kit, Aaron. You want to take a guess? In uh, uh, in what year? 1986. Gosh, I I, I don't know. Matt Mania. Matt oh. Mania was the best-selling conversion kit at 86. What was it converting from? No idea. I guess. Well, I guess it could convert it from anything because Matt Mania was just a one-button, yeah. one-stick game, right? Yeah, it was such a great. You know, it, now the sequel to it was a conversion kit. and It was god awful. Mania. Yeah, we, don't, we don't talk about. Yeah, yeah we don't talk about that. <laughs> um, so we've come a long way, Aaron. But now it's finally time to talk about the Amiga version of Gauntlet Two. Okay. Yeah. So the Amiga version of Gauntlet Two was released in 1989 by U.S. Gold. It's gold, brother. That's right. Of course, U.S. Gold was uh, founded on bringing all of the U.S. arcade hits and also U uh, U.S. Uh, pretty much anything that was made in the United States, bringing it to England, licensing it out, and making a whole bunch of money uh, with little to uh, no uh, design sometimes. But this is, a, this is a rare case where I think they actually did a pretty good job. Uh, this was released for OCS Systems. It came on one disc. 
it kept the one to four player simultaneous play and preceded Gauntlet 3 final quest which i'd never heard of until i did the research for this show i never heard was that an, that was an arcade release i know i believe this was a home computer release only so I just see. for the st okay. and the amiga uh the programmer of the amiga version of a gauntlet 2 was richard costello uh he did a bunch of uh, arcade conversions including golden axe mortal kombat and mortal kombat 2 and aaron he also richard costello uh, responsible for the amiga port of primal rage would you like to take this moment to thank him hey he could have done a lot worse, Boat. And his control mm -hmm. scheme was very clever. Uh, the graphics were done by Kevin Bulmer, who also worked on Deflector, which we played both on the Amiga and the uh, ZX Spectrum. Yeah. He also did the uh, Amiga port of Golden Axe and Shadow Sorcerer. Good stuff there. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, of course, the game, largely the same. Uh, you've got Thor the Warrior. Uh, he is known for his tough skin, which eliminates 20% of damage. Uh, his shot power, he has twice the normal power of a, of a shot. Uh, he's good at hand-to-hand -hand combat, but he is poor in magic power. Also, his rate of fire when he's throwing those hand axes, pretty slow compared to some of the other players. Um, you got Thyra the Valkyrie. Uh, she, she's got a shield. Shield eliminates 30% of damage, so she's actually pretty good at soaking up damage. Her shot power is poor. She's good at hand-to-hand -hand combat. Her magic power... Uh, can damage most monsters and generators. You got Merlin the wizard. Uh, in the grand wizard tradition, he wields no armor. He has good shot power with his uh, bursts of magical energy. Of course, he's fighting with his bare hands in hand-to-hand -hand combat. He can't, he can't destroy monster generators. His magic power is excellent, though. His magic power can do whatever you want. And finally, Questor the elf. Uh, he's wearing the leather light armor that eliminates 10% of damage. He's got poor shot power, which is interesting because he, he's got that bow and arrow. He's basically your all-around character. He's got moderate hand-to-hand -hand combat. He fights with a dagger like Legolas. And uh, his magic power is very good. It destroys almost all monsters and generators. Aaron, when you played Gauntlet 2, what did you go for the most? I always liked the elf. But I'm, I honestly... Uh, um probably I mean I didn't pick the smartest choice I mean the else okay of the Valkyrie I, it's funny that they're always heard that Valkyrie was the best one to play all right now maybe that's because she can take more damage you know mm -hmm. but I mean uh you know I'll, these days I usually take the warrior <laughs> because he can and he's not my favorite I still I'm a, I'm a big fan of the elves in general but uh, in the game I, these days much like uh, in a lot of games, I just take the, the guy that's the most damage because big I'm an brute, impatient bruiser. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I tend to go for the Valkyrie because she's the most well-rounded. I find that the the Thor, he just his his. Now we're watching this now. It looks like he's he's tossing these things out. When I was playing, his rate of fire was poor. Yeah, uh, and so that I went I went with the Valkyrie because of that. But they're both good choices. I would not vote for choosing the Wizard because the second you're going to get overwhelmed with with monsters, yeah. and as soon as they approach you, they're just going to suck your life away, and it's over. So you need to take him when you got a party of guys, and he can like linger in the back, right? And, you know, doing his Wizard crap. It's just like exactly. real D and D. Both. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, in this game, you're fighting ghosts, grunts, demons, lobbers, sorcerers, even death, Aaron. Death yeah. makes an appearance. So you got a lot on your plate. Uh, in addition to your uh, sort of sentient enemies, you also have acid puddles, uh, the it monster, the that monster, and, of course, the dragon. 
Uh, so yeah. that is, uh, you've got tons and tons of enemy, different enemy types. The enemy types come at you. I think, you know, I played probably the first eight or nine levels of this thing. I yeah. saw almost everything. Uh, and then things just kind of repeat from there on. Uh, you've got potions that you can collect. Potions can give you health. They can do different things. Uh, you've got extra armor, potion, extra magic power. Uh, they basically buff you. They buff you in any in any way, but you also have to watch out because there's also poison potions that behave like po uh, poison food. Uh, there are There's treasure, of course, that you collect for score. Um, this is a game that you're... You, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about the gameplay in Gauntlet 2. You're running through a maze. You're killing monsters. You're picking things up that either help you or hinder you. And you're either working with your buddies or you're working against them, trying to get the high score, trying to get all the way through. Um, Aaron, you know, as, as we wrap this thing up, I know you're not the biggest fan of Gauntlet 2. Is there any sort of gamer that you would recommend it to? Well, listen, because it's not my bag doesn't mean it's a bad game. In some ways, it's, it's got Atari's magic touch all over it. What does that mean? It's good looking. It sounds good. The mazes are real clever. I mean, you ha you'll see where you need to go, but you can't get there. They really do a lot uh, with uh, destroying maze walls. They do they do clever stuff with uh, keys and doors where you try not to open a huge batch of bad guys on top of you so they do a lot of interesting things with the layouts they didn't just throw this crap together i mean these are like seasoned masters when it comes to level design there's areas we have to teleport back and forth and work your way through like solid wood or 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 uh, stone by blowing away the sections and and you can see stuff you want you got you can try to figure out how to get there you know, really, there's, the only timer is the fact that your health's kicking down. So you can linger around and look around as much as you want. So that's that's not too bad. There's bonus area. I got to a treasure area one time where you had to collect as much treasure as you can with as much of invisible walls. I don't know if you saw that one, Boat. Uh, so that's kind of fun. I mean, I will say, uh, uh, I had more fun playing this than I would normally had. Again, it's better with multiple people, but there's fun to be had here. Uh, on this thing, if you get a trainer for this, you can you can set it on unlimited li uh, health and just kind of run through this thing if you want to and see how far you until you get sick of it, I guess. Uh, but I mean, it, there is a sameness to it. After a while, they use the levels to try to break up that samey feel. But I mean, it, you know, it, you can only do so much uh, with with what with what you had to work with. I think in reference to the arcade. It does okay, uh, boat. Uh, it, I mean, obviously it's, it runs slower than the arcade, but I mean, it, it's pretty. It's it runs at a good enough clip. It supports four people. If you've got the, uh, I believe uh, this thing has the old parallel port special. It supports. That was, that's what the thing was saying on the uh, screen where you pick your joystick. So that's that's nice. If you get four players on this at once, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, so I mean, I think there's fun to be had here, boat. Uh, but. Uh, um, you know, it's one of those things you break out when you're having a little party and you just run into a bunch of Amiga games. And here's, let's try this one. I'm sure when this came out, it was super popular because this kind of game was. You know, I'm sure the home conversions did real well, uh, Boat. Uh, but, uh, you know, now in, in 2023, eh, you know, I could see taking it out for a spin, but it's not what I'm going to spend a lot of time with. Yeah, yeah. This game reviewed very, very well in the magazines. Uh, overall, average magazine rating 81%. Uh, 
a lot of ratings in the uh, 80 to 90 percent. Uh, CU Commodore user Amiga 64, which is a heck of a long magazine <laughs> title, uh, reviewed this and gave it a 94 percent. That was the highest rating. Uh, but you That's know, as far yeah, but I I think that those those are all. This is a solid B game and i would call the arcade release a solid b game as well uh it is definitely not a donkey kong or one of the all-time greats but hey if you got some extra quarters in your pocket and you got a couple buddies there's worse ways you can spend your time together uh we did get some discord reviews uh if you'll allow me to read them uh, our first Please. review comes from lord soup he says too hard solo too easy with friends unless you both die at once there's fun to be had, especially with a four-stick adapter and three friends, but it's an arcade game that I feel doesn't quite work at home a lot of the time. Trying to play this single player is beyond my skill, and after time with buddies, you'll likely get bored long before the end. Best left in the arcade where your valuable shinies up the stakes. Five out of ten. Mm. And Pajaco6502 writes... I have been a fan of Gauntlet from the first time I saw it in the arcades to the hours spent playing on my Specky, but amazingly, I had not played any Gauntlet 2 until recently. The Amiga port is good graphically, musically, and gameplay-wise. It is possibly as close as the Amiga can get to the arcade. But let's not forget this is an arcade quarter muncher ported to home systems, and it still punishes you like it can smell the change in your pocket and is hungry for more, so you will die early and you will die lots. It is probably good that the travesty that was Gauntlet on the ST never got an Amiga outlet outing because Gauntlet 2 is a great port and one I regret not having played back in my youth. My friends and I would have played the heck out of this. I did used to play a pretender to the throne called Garrison and I thought it was awesome back then but today it doesn't hold up. Gauntlet 2 is better. 8 out of 10. Very good. Yes. So... Uh, I did look this up on the old eBay, and uh, you can pick this up for $89, complete inbox, including shipping, Aaron. This is one uh, that uh, is still easily obtainable as long as you have got the dough. Very good. I, this is one, you know, and I will say the box of this is real odd looking, too, isn't it? The uh, mm -hmm. It's got an odd look to it, uh, but, you know, hey. It's, it is what it is. It, and I will say one thing, and Tari is the fifth, to close the shop on this. This thing made a lot of quarters back in oh, yeah. the day. Welcome to Retro Rewind. I'm your host, British Jones. Whether you enter the Amiga, Commodore 64, or Tiger Floral Print Speedsuits, Retro Rewind has all you need from the friendly hosers of the Great White North. Looking to upgrade your Amiga? Check out the Amiga OS 3.2.2 Kickstart ROM for just $18. Or maybe you need a C64 or C128 diagnostic harness. Grab one while they're hot. Don't miss our best sellers like the 1541 Transit Card for just $1 or the incredible Amiga Coin Cell Battery Adapter. Shop now at Retro Rewind Limited and bring your classic computers back to life. Retro Rewind Limited. Frank's the man. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Well, coming up next week, we are going to be playing, as the rascals sang, Tubin on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. You ready for Tubin. this one, Aaron? I love this new arcade uh, boat, uh, Tubin. Uh, much more my speed. And I'd like to do this. I'd like to live action role play this. At some point in the near future, as I just lay it to, I come to think of it, maybe I don't want to do that. Given what's in that river, I changed my mind. Boat. You ever tube down the canal? 
Heck, not without wearing a rubber suit or some sort of insulative gear. Hell no. You know, I was watching this show on, uh, I was watching Defunct Land talk about Coney Island. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know if you've seen that episode. But it talks about one of the early entrepreneurs in Coney Island. He actually got in a inflatable rubber suit and was led offshore like 250 miles and he would paddle back. That was the idea of stuntmanship back in the day. You know, one thing I like about Coney Island is you ever see the real old video of the people driving those horses down that wooden rail? Mm -hmm. It looks like you could die at any moment. They're taking these steep curves and dives. <laughs> I thought that looks fun, but horribly terrifying. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week for Tubin. And until then, adios. adios. Amigos is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Patreon supporters help choose the games we play, receive exclusive magnets, and get access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server. Visit patreon.com slash amigos podcast if you'd like to support the show and join our community.